When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Forest Focus. It's good to be back doing our Wednesday interview shows. And this week I'm delighted to be joined by former Nottingham Forest defender Kelvin Wilson to get his take on the current situation at the City Ground ahead of his old club facing Spurs on Friday night. Kelvin, good of you to join us. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, good. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Um, just to kind of kick us off, I mean, what do you make of the season so far for Forest? It's been up and down and now we find the manager under a lot of reported pressure. What do you make of where they're at at the moment in the Premier League? I think um, it's, it's a bit like they've had stability, obviously, with, with Cooper being there for a couple of seasons now, a few seasons. So it seems like we're going back to the, the times where the managers are under pressure all the time. Um, I think the players have, have not let Steve Cooper down a little bit. I think they're just out of form at the minute and it's it's costing Steve Cooper the, the rumours of, of pressure on him going around now. Just go, yeah, that's interesting you say that. So after the Fulham game, they lost 5-0. And a lot of people were really critical of the effort from the players, thought they downed tools. And I, I thought a few of them did as well. But from a former player's point of view, do you think sometimes it's more confidence then rather than the players just giving up on the manager? I think so. I don't think players ever give up on the manager, you know. It's, even if players don't like the manager, you don't you don't go out to to play and think, right, I want to play rubbish today and lose so the manager gets a sack. It doesn't cross any any player's mind, even if you don't get on with the manager. So I don't think that's the case. You know, you've got to represent yourself first when you play. And, you know, you have a lot of family and friends watching and you want to impress them as well. So that will be on the player's mind. So it won't be, that won't be the case. I think it will be the confidence. The confidence is a massive thing when you play football. Um, it's spoken about a lot. Maybe a lot of fans don't listen to it or understand it as much. Because they think you should be confident every game, play doing your dream, you know, playing football in front of a crowd. Which, if it was that easy, but um, yeah, I think a lot of players are out of confidence, and it's affecting the, the the whole team and individuals. You know, I'm a massive fan of Gibbs White, and I think if he's not playing well and things aren't going through him, for his struggle. 
it's been a negative start, but I suppose you've been on the end of a hiding occasionally as a, a player, like uh, that 5 0. That that will have stung them a lot, I guess. Were you surprised they bounced back as they did against Wolves, or do you think sometimes when the backs are against the wall, then you kind of you have to come out fighting like that? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I think, you know, when, you know, I, re- I recall we lost to Wolves 5 0 one time and it was it was hard. And the next game you're coming back, it's in the back of your mind. Your next game after that, it's in the back of your mind that you don't want to concede, concede so many goals again or, or even lose the game. So that would have definitely been on the mind. But you do want to get out there and put it right because obviously everyone remembers the last game you played. So the players would have wanted to go out and, and put it right. Do you think the pressure on Cooper is a factor in that? I know Harry Toffolo came out after the game and said how much they love him and Czech Coyate has done that on the club media or Sky Sports this week. When you when the chips are down, are you also playing for the manager to an extent as well? Then I think so. Yeah, you know, it's, we're footballers are human beings as well. Just like in a workplace, you get on with some people, you don't get on with some people, and players won't get on with the manager. Some players won't won't like him, won't like the team he pits because they're not playing. Maybe even the ones that are playing might not not like him. When I say like him, maybe not his personality. I'm not only about him personally. I'm on about his decisions as a manager. So. Um, for players to come out and back him, it's yeah, it's good. It's really good, but that doesn't mean a thing if they don't win games. It, mm. it doesn't. It's irrelevant. I think if they're just nipping it in the bud that the players he's not lost a changing room, that's a good thing that they're doing, so they can then concentrate on other things. But if it's it's not going to change anything if if the results don't don't change, and if they do love him, go and perform and show that you love him and you want him to stay then. Um, which forest managers did you have the best relationship then? Or most of the time it was under Billy. Was it was it him or was there someone else that springs to mind? No, yeah, Billy. Billy was was the best manager I played under. You know, close closely followed by Neil Lennon, who obviously was with Celtic. But um, yeah, Billy was he was unbelievable with me. I played under him three times at Preston and Forest twice. So I knew Billy as a manager inside out. I knew what he wanted from me. Um, he made it very clear what what he wanted from you. And if you delivered for him, you know, he, he would it would be great for you. So that's Billy was for me was was my best manager. He's got the I ask all these players this. Obviously he's got the kind of the reputation, he's a bit of a firebrand, people outside of the the inner circle, you know, didn't like him, didn't like his methods. When you when you're in, in there in there with him, does it feel different then? Is it a bit us against the world in a sense? Exactly that. Exactly that, yeah. It's you know, one thing I noticed with Billy was even players that didn't play, that were on the bench, still love Billy. And that's very rare. You know, you get players, if they're not playing, they do become a little bitter at times, I'm sure. You know, frustrated, questioning why they're not playing. But these players, Billy was, his man management skills, as well as, well as his coaching, was, was second to none. And it was similar, obviously, with Neil Lennon, you know, his coaching methods, he was a bit old school. It was just go out there and play. But his man management was brilliant. But Billy just just is a bit above Neil for me as my best manager because he had the coaching um, tactics and philosophy and he was brilliant at it and the man management. So, yeah, Billy was brilliant. I think that's one of Steve Cooper's strengths historically has been man management. We always hear about how he you know, nurtured Brennan and uh, obviously Joe Worrell and Ryan Yates, those people that were close to him, Jed Spence, working with younger players. This season, it seems like it's been a, maybe a bit more of a challenge. Obviously, he had to leave Sangari out, he fell to Wolves and Dominguez and others. 
Is that kind of symptomatic of the club's transfer policy, do you think? That eventually you bring in so many players, it gets more of a challenge to keep people happy, especially when there's bigger profile players coming into the football club now these days? Yeah, without a doubt. I think Steve Cooper's, you know, he's mastered working with young players. You know, he's won the World Cup with England in the 17s, I think it was a few years ago. So he's brilliant working with young players. Is that's that's when he's at his comfort zone and, and when, when he knows what he's doing. Not that he doesn't know what he's doing with the older players, no, oh, I'm not saying that, but I think, you know, looking at Brennan, looking at Jed Spence and Gibbs White, what he gets out of them was has been brilliant. So obviously he's got he's got something special working with these young players. I don't believe I obviously I don't know the ins and outs, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that Steve Cooper's brought all these players in that's come. So for him to manage them and have to leave big names out and and play big players, you know, these big names that that they've signed might not be Steve Cooper's type type of player. No, they're good players, but they might not be his type of player. And he has, if he has to leave them out, it's justified by their performances, I guess. And it is, you know, I wouldn't question the decisions he's made apart from the the three subs that he made that when it was two 0 up, I think, and when it up. Oh yeah, Luton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the only one I'd I'd probably question Steve Cooper. But other than that, I think he's he's done done everything right. How do you keep those players happy then when they come in? Like Sangari is getting hooked twice and he's on the bench. Uh, Dominguez, uh, you know, hudson Adoy's back on the bench. There's been a lot of players in, a lot of players out of the team this year. How do you keep them happy? Or do you not even bother about keeping them happy in a way? Yeah, definitely you've got to keep them happy. You're going you're gonna to have to call on them at some point, without a doubt, especially the Christmas period. You know, It's a busy period. So he's got to keep them happy. But then that's when the, you know, you you my management comes into into play, you know, not your coaching. So how he deals with them, how he, you know, pulls them for a chat every now and then, makes them feel special, makes them feel that they're really wanted still. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just the my management skills, I think, you know. It's like I, I keep going back to Billy. He was just brilliant at it, you know. He would make you feel, even though he was getting dropped or rested or whatever you want to call it for a game, he would make it so clear to you, you're really important to the squad, you're going to play. And he'll put a number on it of say you're going to play in the next 13 games after this game that I'm leaving you out. And you would play. It, it was strange with Billy. So I think certain management managers will have their own, you know, management skills. So um, Coopers will be tested, I'm, I'm guessing now with, with dropping some of these big, big names. What's it like being in a dressing room when... You know, there's an influx of players. I know, I'm sure you'll experience at Forest and Celtic. Uh, you know, you you you're in the team regularly. Someone else who's had a good career at a different club comes in, and that happens happens at Forest in basically every position. What's it like for you personally in the kind of dressing room harmony? How does it affect that every summer? Um, I think I think you just get on with it. You know, you, you don't get me wrong. Like I've just said earlier on in the when we first started, you do get you know a bit of bitterness from people, players. Mm. And- they're not happy for certain players, especially even before you kick the ball. You know, they'll see on Sky Sports News have signed a player in their position and all of a sudden they're paranoid that they're not going to play anymore and that the manager wants rid of them. So I think, you know, it's, it's it keeps you on your toes when new players come in, especially if they're the top quality players as well. But again, I just think it comes down to my management. I think the man, the manager, you know, has to put away your coaching badges and put on your, your my management hat. You know, and, and speak to these players and, and let them know the 
what you want them for, giving them a clear term of reference, you know, letting them know what you want them to do and what, what they're at that football club for. And if they're not doing it, you can put it on the on the table and say, well, I asked you to do that when I signed you and you've not done that. That's why you're not playing. Did you ever have, uh, you know, as you got a more senior player then, a new player comes in your position, are you knocking on the gaffer's door and saying, well, hang on, why are you signing this player? Or is that not really the done thing for a player to do with a gaffer? No, no. Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. You know, it's... It's the gaffer's choice if he wants to bring players in. Also, you know, you know, you get injuries. You need more than one, two, three players in the position. So you understand that. I think it, it, you know, it gives you a kick up the backside to say, right, wow, this guy's going to push me. Especially like you've just said, if it's good quality coming in as well. You know, you know, you're going to be on your toes and you're not going to get comfortable. You know, you're not going to know that or think that you're going to be playing every week. So it's just, it's, it's good, healthy competition. But then on the flip side, you know, I've played with players where they go the opposite way. Because the players come in of, of good quality, they start to crumble. And, you know, they, they can't adapt to thinking they're going to be second best when it's that's not even been said to them. They've just automatically thought that's the case. This is a tangent question. I like this question. How much of the game, and we talk about players crumbling, how much of the game and success in its mental versus pure technical ability, do you think? Does, does the mental side take you to the next level that you might not have gone to otherwise? Oh, one million percent without a doubt. And I only realised that when I went to Celtic. Mm. Without a doubt. Absolutely without a doubt, yeah. You know, when I went to Celtic, um, I thought it was a big club, just like Forest. I'm going to another big club. Oh, it's, I'm not going to lie. I thought I'm going to Scotland. Celtic or Rangers win every year. Yeah. You know, brilliant. Wow, what, what a shock I got. You know, I think we won a number of games 1-0 and, you know, you'd look at the papers on the on Monday morning, um, the Scottish Sun and the Mirror and stuff, and you, you're getting hammered. And mm. we've, you, wait, we've just won 1-0. But you can't just win 1-0 when you're at big clubs. You've got to perform well and win comfortably. So the mental side there kicks in. Also, playing in Europe, you know, you're not the... You're not the, the big side who's going to have all the ball all the time when you're playing against the Barcelonas, Juventus and all these teams. So you've not got the ball for a lot of the games. Again, it comes down to the mental strength and and um, concentration. You know, for example, when I played, when we played Barcelona, um, when we beat them at Celtic Park, I think they had something like 90% of the possession. But we won 2-1. But for about two or three days after, I wasn't physically tired. I just could sleep for days because for that mm. game, the noise, the atmosphere and the concentration just for that game just absolutely wiped me out. Does that game make it worth all the crap you get off the papers then? Just that one match? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course it was, um, you know, it's them, them kind of games are brilliant in the Champions League, standing in under the lights with the music. But, you know, I think, I think the papers and, and the press and stuff like that, especially in Glasgow, you know, it's... It just opened my eyes to what kind of club Celtic is. It's, a, it's just a huge club. And people think because you're playing in Scotland, it's, it just comes with completely different pressures. Mm. Mm. Couldn't that crowd eat you alive uh, in the games against Kilmarnock when you're expected to win? And then can it carry you on the crest of a wave against Barcelona when you're expected to get hammered then? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I think... But then... The thing with with the expecting to get hammered, it was more the pundits and the the press that expected that. The fans still don't expect you to get hammered if you play in Barcelona or whoever. So, <laughs> like a catch twenty two with the fans, you know. 
Um, they were brilliant, brilliant fan, fans. But yeah, it was um, a catch twenty two in that that sense. I think you know, getting hammered up there by by the press, it can. It happened in my first season. You know, I got a bit of stick off them in my old my first old firm. We lost four two, and I had a bit of a stink, I had a nightmare, and I got absolutely hammered by the press. And it was my first experience, and I was a bit like, wow, you know, it, it took me back a little bit, and. Not your confidence, it not my confidence, and it took me probably that season to, to come back a better player the following season. And I- it's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I had the season that I had, which was which was a great season. But, you know, you, you, it works in, in both ways, I guess. Um, let's talk about Joe Wall a bit. Because he, he had a season at Rangers, obviously, and it, I guess it helped him. He now finds himself out of the team, um, along with Scott McKenna. I think you might have been in their shoes to an extent because when you agreed to sign for Celtic, you didn't play for Forest again, did you? Is that is, is that right? You were sort of, I don't know, frozen out is the right term, but you, you didn't play, did you? No, no, I didn't play football for six months. Um, it was in the January I signed a pre-contract. Um, I did want to stay at Forest, by the way. You know, mm. my plan was to stay at Forest. We tried to negotiate a new deal. Um, but Mark Arthur was the, the um, chief exec then. Um, and for some reason, he didn't think that local lads deserved contracts, same as the likes of, say, Robert Earnshaw and these kind of players that were coming in. Um, if he was local, it was he seen it as we're doing you a favour by letting you play for Nottingham Forest. So I had to move on for my own career there. Um, so I signed a pre-contract, uh, and then Nigel Doherty came down to the training ground one day and called me into the office with Billy Davis. And just said to me, you're on gardening leave. Don't don't come and use the facilities. And then that day I went home. I never went back to the training ground. And I was off until pre-season started for Celtic until my contract kicked in. And that was about five months, six months I didn't play for. How come though? Because they're not protecting their asset. Because, you know, they weren't selling you. You were going for free. What was the reason? I don't really understand it from sitting here now. None of this, I still don't know. You know, people yeah. said... Did, did you ever fall out with Billy? I, I spoke to Billy after after Nigel went out of the room. Billy called me and said, 
you know, this isn't my decision. You know, I had I'd never ever fallen out with Billy, never. Um, I don't know if it was something personal with them, with the manager and the, the chairman. I don't know. I don't know anything. I just I got told to to stay away, and and that's what I did. And yeah. it, it was me. I was baffled because I thought I'm still on the contract. You're still paying me, so why don't I just come and play when I can? But mm. yeah, the chairman chairman didn't want me to. No, it's a weird one. Obviously, sadly, he's not here to give his side no, on it. But um, yeah, but uh, weirdly, you saw. I mean, uh, Mark Arthur can't defend himself, but you're not the first person to say that on here. I think Lewis has said it, and Nathan Tyson said it. He went, he went to Derby because Forrest didn't offer him a contract, and weird stuff like that happened at the time. Yeah, a different club. Um, what about Joe then and Scott? More so Joe, because I think Scott's out of contract. Probably looks like he's going to go. What's Joe need to do now to try and? you know, recover his forest career or or should he go in January now? What what would you be thinking in his situation? Um, if I was in this situation, I think, you know, he's, he's the captain of the football club. Um, I like Joe. He was a young lad when I was there. You know, I like him. He was, he, he's a bit like Ryan Yates, who was a young lad when I was there. They were really young, like first year scholars. So they were the young, but they'll join him with us sometimes to make the numbers up. And they were, um, Hardworking, wanted to learn, wanted you know, they listened, they learned. Not like a lot of young players nowadays, but yeah, they they listen and learn. And he got the rewards by by you know he was named captain. He's there, but I think you know if I'm going to be honest, and I'm talking as a on the football sense, not as a as a friend of Joe or next teammate. I think he he needs to leave. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play. Mm. You know, I I think. I think the way Forest play, are they 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 pushing up the pitch now? They press a little bit high because they've got pace at the back. You know that isn't going to suit Joe. I don't I don't see how he, he's going to play in that back four. What's his level? Because he did well at the back end of last season. He did well at the start of this season, but intermittently he struggled in the Premier League. Do you see him as a Premier League defender or one of those that's really a top end of the Championship and not quite uh, you know the elite tier defender? No, I think he could play in the Premier League. He's just, you know, he's still a, a good age. You know, when he's he's had good games, he's not been consistent in the Premier League. No, mm. um, but I don't think a lot of Forest players have. So, you know, it's it's that's not that's not no no shame to him. I think, I think he definitely, you know, he's playing in the Premier League. He could he can play in the Premier League. Yeah, I think it's finding the right club, the right style, the right manager. You know, as Sean Dyche, maybe someone like this who. You know, they play pretty deep because they know they're not going to have much possession mm. and they're pretty direct. So, you know, maybe someone like that, Ujo, would play under that he would play more for. You know, Steve Cooper wants more possession-based. He wants his back four higher, which they do need to be. I said this before at the start of the season on another another show. So, and, and it doesn't suit Joe, you know, and any other team that he's going to play and if they're going to play at a, a high line and things like that. You know, unfortunately, he's brilliant in the air. He's good on the ball. But I think the modern-day defender now has to be quick because mm. attacking players, they're all quick. So you, mm. you've got to match them. So I think that's just where he struggles. But, I, yeah, I wouldn't write him off from the Premier League. Not No chance. Is that one of the problems this season with Forrest? You know, you mentioned they played the back four. I think Steve Cooper wants to play a back four, but they probably had their best results in the Premier League with a back five. And they played well at Wolves at the back five. There's a lot of chopping and changing, but you think it's probably a case of needs must, particularly against Spurs, they might have to just go back to being really hard to beat for a few weeks. Yeah, there's no shame in that, though. You know, mm. the, the, teams, 
there's a, a majority of teams are better than Forest in the Premier League. It's you know you, it's not it's nothing to be ashamed of. You know their budgets, the players that they've got, caliber of player is is better. It's, it is what it is. Forest just have to come together as a team, and and you know you can overcome that and you can get the results. I think the way they're going to play against Tottenham, yeah, they they can't you know probably play high line. They're not going to have much. Well, they're going to have possession, but they're not going to you know outplay out Spurs. So he's gonna, he's, you know, the pace that they've got, especially down the sides and and up top with Son and Johnson. Obviously, we know him really well. But Steve Cooper, you know, he would he would have done his watching his videos all week and and knowing what he's gonna play, how he's gonna play. But I think the the two centre offs that are playing at the minute, you know, are even though the results aren't going right and they can see in a few a few goals, the way Steve wants to play is them two are probably the perfect two to play because they've got the pace to get back in, which which they've shown on a few occasions now. Do you think as a football club and as fans, um, and I put us on here in this as well, we got a bit guilty of running before we could walk, talk of, you know, the owner wants top 10, the fans think we should be playing better football or a section of the fans think we should be playing better football. I remember this time last week, David Prottom was on here saying, look, hang on, take a step back. Let's be realistic and aim for incremental success and steps. You think that's probably where we went a bit wrong at the start of the season, the summer of trying to get a bit big for our boots might be the wrong phrase, but you know, climb a bit faster than maybe is realistic as a football club. Yeah, one million percent. You know, I think the the aim should have or should be. I'm sure it will be behind closed doors, but you know, fans obviously get carried away. You know, don't don't run before you can walk, kind of thing. I think. Mm. You know, stability in the Premier League, a good few seasons. Um, that would be my aim, you know, for Forest, and then build on it from there. I think what excites everyone is the amount of players that are coming through Forest. You know, it, it excites people because they think, oh, you know, when, when clubs sign players, it's it's because they want to have a go. They want to improve the team. So when you sign in 10, 11, 12 players every transfer window, it's like, wow, these must be really going for it. Because as a player, looking at other clubs that used to sign a lot of players, you would chat in the changing rooms. You would all speak and go, for instance, Cardiff or Devon Wright go this year. They've signed nine players. So that's why people expect more from Forest, I think, because the amount of players. Plus, also now, the calibre of player that they're attracting. You know, mm. a lot of the um, South American players that are coming over are good players, good young players. So I think that excites a lot of people. But I think, for me, I've never got carried away thinking, oh, the they might finish in the top six, the top eight. No, I think, you know, if they're just outside the relegation zone and stay up, I'd be more than happy with that and then build on it from there. Is it a bit comparable to yourself going from the Championship to the Champions League, The going for Forest, going from the Championship to the Champions League? We just haven't really uh, even respected the level to an extent of just how good it is? Yeah, with, without a doubt. I, th- I think so. I can I can only speak on it from my, my experience. I think... Mm. With Forest, I think yeah, a lot of the games last season, I I referred to them as like because the fan, the fans were so happy and excited at every game, and it was so loud at the stadium. It was always like a cup game, like you was a Championship side playing a Premier League team all the time. It just got built up like that, and it it got the the players going, obviously, especially at home because the the home record was brilliant. I think that's died off this season. I think they've got used to that. They're in the Premier League now. And they're expecting more now. They want good performances, not just, oh, we're in the Premier League, let's have a good time. It's now, come on, we're here now. 
And I think the realization of that has, has dropped into the fans. Mm. But with with on my my side of my experience of playing in a championship, then going to Celtic, playing in the Champions League. Yeah, again, you know, obviously you, you know these players that you play against in the world class and you watch them on TV and you see things. But I think until you're on that pitch and, you you know, you're playing next to them, it hits home and it's like, wow, the, this, these are levels. I, know, I, know. I, I rate the players more once I've played against them. You, you mm. realise like, wow, yeah, there's, there's different levels here. So... Um... I mean, I'm sure you've been asked about this all, all the time. Who who was up front for Barcelona that night? Was it Messi? Yeah, it was Messi down the side, down the middle, and then Alexis Sanchez one one side, and Pedro, I think, the other side. So, it was a so good... when you, yeah, not bad. So when you see them up front, is it their speed of thought? Is it their decision making? Is it their technical ability? Is it everything? You think, oh Christ, how am I going to deal with this tonight? Yeah, it's just everything. It's literally, even the physical, you know, the, the small players in stature, but the physical sense of them is just, it's, yeah, it's on a different level, you know. it's. I think the one thing that, you know, when I answer this question and I speak about that game and what did I take away from it and what did I notice about these players is that, especially Barcelona, when we play Barcelona, um, they never talk. They never shout for the ball. They never say man on. They never say turn. It's like they just know. It's like they just know. And I was just, that's what I was most impressed by. I just thought he's, he's not shouted for the ball once when you're marking players, you know, and, or you're shouting right shoulder, left shoulder, and you just don't hear them sh- like talking. So it's it's like they, the one step ahead is well tactically, you know, they know what they're doing. And I think these little fine details are the reasons why certain players go, you know, they've got their own bracket of, excellence you know not you've got Ronaldo and Messi obviously on a different planet but then you've got you know your Javis and your Iniestas and these kind of players who god they're just unbelievable have they got an aura and a bit of a swagger that can put you on the back foot before you even get out onto the pitch just the way they they carry themselves walking out even if you let if you let that happen but I was, I was mm. never one to let that happen no matter who I played against you know I always looked at it like that whoever I play against they're not robots they're human beings so it wasn't for me, but yeah, I think with the names, they can, you know, obviously they can. I think, you know, we played Real Madrid as well and you're lining up against them players in the change rooms and, I mean, in the in the tunnel and you look across and, you know, I was I remember I, I was a massive Kaka fan growing up. Absolutely loved him and the goal against United when he's gone through and he's scored and then we're playing him and he's at the side and it's like, Jesus, you know, I was at, I was, was I Forest or Preston when I used to watch Kaka and now I'm mm. lining up playing against him in, in Europe. So it was a bit bit of a like a wow. But um no, it, it, it's me personally, it spares you on. It makes you think, right, I wanna I wanna impress myself, but I wanna prove that I can I can at, at least hold myself against them. Mm. Um let's go back to Forest and defending. Um they've had so many different defensive combinations this season. Obviously it's been you know, McKenna and Warhol playing in a four. Uh, they played a three with Willie Bolly. Then Murillo comes in. Now Felipe's back. Niacate's in and out of the team. From experience as a defender, how hard is it to get any kind of consistency of your own performance and collectively as a unit when that's when that's happening? As, as on my personal note, it's an absolute nightmare to be honest with you. It's it's frustrating. You know, you do need a run of games to you know 
get comfortable, especially when you've not been in. If you're in and out, you know, you want to you want to run a game to get comfortable, comfortable and get your confidence going. So I do I do feel sorry for the back four in that sense. I know injuries happen. I know that. I think sometimes, you know, with players don't have the best of games. Me as a manager, not that I've ever been a manager, but you would have to, me being a player and thinking what players like. You'd maybe stick with him for two or three games, even if one of them's had a bit of a bad game. You think, right, just stick with him. Let him, let him get find his feet. That's what I would do. Obviously, I'm not telling Steve Cooper what to do. But yeah, it's to be in and out as a defender, not just a defender, but any player, but especially as a defender, because as a centre off, you want to build a partnership. You know, you want to. If you look at winning teams, they've always got a solid spine of the team: goalkeeper, centre off, centre mid and a target man or a centre-forward up top. I don't think Forrest have got that. They're just changing the back four all the time. Mm. We're usually back fours in football teams are usually the set set positions. It's usually the midfields that they're changing the strikes because the fatigue, they run around more than, than you would as a defender. So they're the players that need dipping in and out because, because they're tired. But as a back four, you usually got a set back four, but Forrest have never had that for the last few years. And even this season, we've seen uh, Turner, Vlokolimos, now back to Turner again. Uh, I can see why Steve Cooper's done it, but does that make it even, you know, even harder for, like, I feel for Murillo, he's been brilliant, but he doesn't speak the language. He's played less than 50 games in his career. He's playing in the Premier League, and now he's got a different keeper, a different person alongside him, left and right every week. Just changing keepers as well make it even harder. Yeah, not just for, not just for the back four, but for the old team, mm. you know. I think your keeper, every club that I've played at, your number one, you know he's your number one. Every player knows he's the, our number one. Forrest haven't got that. It, it makes you feel comfortable to know you've got a number one. You know, as a defender as well, you do build up a relationship with your goalkeeper. You know what he likes. You know if the ball's coming over, he ain't going to come for that. I know my goalkeeper. He doesn't come this wide, so I've got to deal with it. Goalkeepers, you, you know, you, you understand them. You build a relationship with them. So to keep changing your, the goalkeeper as well, for me, it's a little bit just alarm bells a little bit. It's just, do you know what your team is? Do you know what your number one is? Is is something else wrong? Mm. You know, just, I've never been in a team where my goalkeeper's been changed, never. So I just find it, when that happens, there must be a problem there. Do you think, it's difficult for you to put your finger on this, is this a failure of recruitment or a failure of management, a combination of injuries? Why do you think it's happening this season at Forest? I just don't think Steve Cooper's brought the players in. I don't think there is players. I, I think majority of them players that have been brought in are not Steve Cooper's signings, which is which is fair enough. Is that if that's what the the structure is at Forest that right? You're just the coach or you're just the manager, but we bring players in, and then you have to you have to work with them players that we bring in. And Steve understands that. That's that's fine. That's no problem. You know the the chairman owns the football club. He puts all his money, and he can do whatever whatever he wants with it. But if you're expecting Steve just to do miracles with players that he ain't bringing in, you know, his style of play. Mm. Mm. Um, let me, uh, forgive me a second, Carl, because I have to do a little plug for our sponsor, which is the Trent Navigation. I don't, I don't know if you've been down there, but it's a you know, top football pub in Nottingham and you, people can go down uh, to the Euros, uh, watch all the games uh, on the big screen there. I've been saying previously you can get tickets for just the group games. You actually get tickets for every game uh, and watch it down the nav. And I'll put the link in the description. You can get discounted tickets now. So do do that because they give us uh, great support and we very much appreciate it. Uh, right, back to business. Um, 
I want to ask you about centre half partnerships quickly and how they work. Is there always like um, an, an, uh, any kind of an alpha one in there who makes all the calls, calls where the offside lines are, and is the main communicator, or is it more of a fifty-fifty thing from your experience? No, yeah, it's definitely fifty-fifty. Yeah, yes. Don't be wrong. A lot of it as well is just our personalities. You know, if, if, if one of the players isn't a vocal player, isn't an aggressive player then it might seem like the other player who is aggressive and is vocal is the, the lead role. But that's not the case. It's just just personalities. That's all it is. I think um, as a centre-off, you, you know, you can't take the lead because if the ball's the other side and you can't call the offside, the other player has to. He's, he's the last man. So, no, it's, there's no there's no lead role. I just think it might look like that sometimes because just on based on personalities, some players are really vocal and loud and some players keep yourself to yourself and go about the business. Who was your best centre-half partner in your career? Ooh, um, I've, yeah, I'd have to say hands down, Wes. You know, me and Wes, had a, although we didn't get promoted, you know, we had great seasons at Forest playoffs and stuff and missing out just with Blackpool and things like that and Swansea. Um, we just had a great understanding. We just had the perfect understanding, you know. We grew up together. We knew each other from kids, so that was good. But with Wes, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty quick, and so we'd we'd say always before games, Wes would go right. I'll go up for the as and fight. If it goes over my head, you run the channels, and that's the that's what we had for four years. And yeah, Wes. But then, you know, looking at other players that I played with, Effie Ambrose at Celtic, Nigerian international. He won the African Cup of Nations with them. We got to the last 16 in the Champions League. Me and him playing centre-half all the way through that, the, the group stage and we qualified. He was brilliant to play with. Completely different to Wes, but brilliant. And I played just just pre-season games because I was leaving Celtic. Um, I played probably three pre-season games and then I left with Virgil van Dijk. So Virgil yeah. Virg was a great... But I didn't play enough to, to rate him as the best person I played with, obviously. But Virg was... Um, from walking through the door at the first day and training session was just an absolute unbelievable player and an absolute machine. Could you see, uh, I'll ask you a worse question in a second then, but just on Van Dyke, could you see him being the player he has become then just with that air of authority that he walked in with at Celtic then? Without a doubt, without an absolute doubt. I remember the first session he came, we was in Germany, no, yeah, we was in Germany I think on tour. And he just signed, so he just flew in and he came in and he said hello. And he was a mountain of a boy. He was I'm a tall guy, but he's massive. And um he came in and trained. And we was all like, Who's this guy? He was just so calm, just like he didn't break a sweat, I don't think, in a training session. And then we finished training and he um he asked for a bag of balls and we just all sitting around because the sun was out and was on tour. So we didn't want to go back to our hotel room. So we're just sitting around the pitch. And Virgil's taking free kicks, the centre half's taking free kicks, and he's just whipping every corner, every free kick into the top corner. And I tell people this story and they say, So why don't you take him for Liverpool? But if you've got Trent Alexander Arnold, he's not going to get to take him, is it? So <laughs> yeah. That's why. But yeah, he's, he's, he had everything. He's got everything. He's still playing, obviously. But yeah, you could see from that first session that this guy, yeah, he's not going to be at Celtic long. He's not going to be here long. Had he come? He hadn't come from. He come from Dutch football, hadn't he? So you wouldn't have known who he was particularly. Well, but he, he, when he came, I think he was. 
it was a Dutch. It wasn't one of the big Dutch teams. It was just a regular Dutch club. So you had no idea who he was, I guess. No, none of us knew who he was. Yeah, same with. It's, that's the thing that Celtic have. You know, they they signed. You know, Virgil Van Dijk. We didn't have a clue who he was. Turned out to be who he is. Victor Wanyama. You know, no one knew who he was. They went on to play for Spurs. Unbelievable for Spurs. Went to play for Southampton. Unbelievable Southampton. They just find these players. But Verge, especially, yeah, he was just, yeah, he was a special player. It, it just surprised me that Celtic signed him and no one else ever ever signed him. Mm. So obviously he's this kind of Rolls Royce pure quality athlete. Um, obviously he did, Wes, on the other hand, you'd known for a long time. He didn't have that pedigree. Did you see Wes going on to lift the Premier League trophy or be as successful as he was with Leicester City? Listen, I'm not going to lie, sit here and say, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, we're Premier League. No, no, no definitely not. Um, you know, the teams that, that I associate with in the Premier League back then was Man United, Chelsea, Arsenal and Man City. So, you know, Wes wasn't at them clubs. So, no, I didn't picture Leicester winning the, the Premier League, just like no one did. Um, but Wes is the best one-on-one -on -one defender I've I've ever seen. You know, even talk. You can talk about big names. You know, I, I think Wes playing with him and then seeing him handle himself in the Premier League is the best one-on-one -on -one defender. Is is that good? You know, he's a big guy, but he can shift. He can. He could move. Um, you know, yeah. I'm not saying about these these other big players. He's not as good as on the ball. No, he's not. But he gets paid to defend, and as a defender, he's he was just. I never seen Wes get beat on a one-on-one -on -one situation. Never, never mm. seen him get bullied in the air. He was just, just very clever at everything that he did. He knew his strengths. He knew his strengths, and he absolutely mastered them. Um, just looking, final few minutes uh, at the Spurs game on Friday for Forest. Then I think a lot of fans are feeling, you know, pretty apprehensive about it after seeing Spurs roll Newcastle over at the weekend. They'd struggled a few games before that, though. So what's your take on the game and how Forrest might might go about it and get a result? I think, listen, it's going to be a tough game. Spurs are, you know, yeah, they went for a little bit of a slump of losing games. Sorry, but they've played. They've played really well. They've played really well this season. Um, it's going to be a tough game. Every game's going to be a tough game for Forrest. It's Premier League, but especially these games against Tottenham, you know, the calibre of players that they're playing against. Um, I just think the pl the players, we can talk about Steve Cooper and what team he's going to play and what formation he's going to play. Okay, yeah, but it's going to come down to the players. You know, a lot of it's going to come down to concentration, wanting to do their job, you know, run back, track, you know, talk, playing different positions when you're out of position. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be down to them. So it's how they can look their self, I think. And if they've got a belief that they can get a result, you know, because I think with Forest, what I've watched a lot of this season is that they're on the back foot. They're always sitting back and or they'll go one nil up and then next minute they go and all sit back. And you think, where's where's that come from? Does that come from the manager or the players? Again, I don't know. It could, it could be either, to be fair. I don't know. In, I'm not in that dressing room, you know, mm. but I doubt it's coming from the, the manager. You know, it might come from, that's just the lack of um, confidence. Mm. You know, players, they've gone one nil up, they're thinking... They're that desperate not to lose the game that they go into defence mode instead of going, right, one nil up here, let's go for it. Let's go and get more. They don't. They've been going on the back foot, invite the pressure, and then they end up losing the game. So I think it's, it's going to come down to 
the players, I won't say attitude, but the de desire to get a result. Um, last question. I don't know if you can do this anymore as a defender, but if you're lining up and you see Son in front of you, uh, Richarlison, Kulosevsky, and obviously we know Brennan, are you thinking, first five minutes, I'm going to put one on this guy and let him know I'm here and try and show that I'm not here to be rolled over? Or has the game changed so much now that you can't really do that so you're just going to get a stupid booking in the first five minutes? Yeah, a little bit that's the case. You're going to get a stupid booking, but <laughs> I would. I would <laughs> I would try and leave one on him, definitely, yeah, to tr try and get in the red and, you know, knock the confidence a little bit because... You know, you're playing against top players here, you know, really, really good players. So any any advantage you can gain on them, you're going to try, you know, you, mm. you, the name of the game. The way the, the players that Forrest have got, can I see them doing that? I don't know. Murillo might. He's, he seems a bit of a tough cookie. And Willy Bolly might. He's experienced. I've seen him do it the other week, actually. He left left one on someone. In, I watched it on slow-mo on the TV and thought, <laughs> There's a lucky boy there. So, yeah, he, he's an experienced guy. But the rest of the team, I don't know. I don't know if they, they've they've got that in them. Um, do you see, just finally, I mean, I, I was worried. I think I am worried about relegation still, actually. I mean, are you worried about relegation or do you think they've got enough that they're going to be fine this season? Well, at the start of the season, the first few games, I, I thought, yeah, they've got enough. They'll. I did think they'd finish mid-table, you know, 12, 13, something like that. I just think that the slumping, not just results, but the performances, is worrying. It's really worrying. And I think Steve, Co Steve Coopin is a legend. He's a Forest legend for what he's done with this football club. Um, but it's, it's just worrying what it's going to take, what he hasn't done already to, to turn this around at this moment in time. You know, I don't want to see him get a sack. I don't want to see any manager get a sack, and especially Steve Cooper. But I just think... I'm sure he's tried many things in the last few weeks, the last couple of months, you know, spoke to the, the guys differently, changed the training sessions, maybe done a team bonding day. I'm sure he's tried all these things. It's just, what is it going to take now? What haven't you tried? What can you try next? And it's just, how long can that last without getting the results and moving up? Because the, the more you don't get results, as you've seen with Forrest, the more you just keep dropping down the table. Mm. And at stage, I remember looking at it, it was eight points or nine points or something like that. What are we now? It's it's you know it's getting closer to getting getting in them relegation zones. And when you've got someone like Everton in the form that they're in, you know they're it's it's worrying. Does a sense of desperation just filter into a dressing room when you come in? At, you know they'll come in after the Wolves game and they'll see Burnley have got a point at Brighton, Sheffield United have won, Everton go and win the next day. Does that transmit into the dressing room at training on the Monday morning as well? One million percent, and you, you could get a Forest player on here right now or on Sky Sports News, and they'll go, "No, we don't look at the table." Steve <laughs> Cooper will. No, we're not interested. We're just in. No. Every player after every game will get their mobile phones out in that changing room and see how the results have been, and you'll have players shouting out, "As Everton get on, as Burnley get on." That will be the case. One million percent, that will be happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess the challenge for Forest now is, can they have? The Everton, well, not perhaps not Everton, they'll be fine. But the Burnley players on the back foot when they're saying, you know, they'll get their phones out tonight and think, Christ, Forest have got a point against Spurs or something like that. Is that a challenge for the Forest players now? Definitely, yeah, because that's not just on the Forest Forest side, by the way, asking the results. All these players, especially, you know, even the ones at the top that win in the league, you know, the Man Cities, they will they'll get the phones out. They might not shout it around, but they'll get it out and see how Arsenal's got on or Liverpool, without mm. a doubt, without a mm. doubt. So, 
yeah, if I was to play in the day before, you know, it's it's really early on in the season as such, even though we're nearly halfway through, they still will be looking, yeah, because it's going to be a tight, tight season at the bottom, at both ends, I think. So I think, you know, if I was playing first this week, it's can they get result, get the result and, and sit back and enjoy the weekend and, and hope that other results go their way to, to pull them away from that relegation zone a little bit. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Right. Uh, we shall leave it there. Uh, if you enjoyed that video uh, with uh, interview with Kelvin, do like and subscribe and uh, give us a good review on iTunes, etc. That does really help. And I, like I say, I do read them all and we've had a great response so far. So very much appreciate that. And we shall be back tomorrow with Greg and Mikey for a full preview of the Spurs game and then on Friday after the match as well. Uh, Kelvin, thank you very much for doing that. I really appreciate it and hope you enjoyed it. No problems, mate. Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you. Good, me on. good man. No, not at all. Not at all. We're very grateful. Uh, right. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a good uh, day and we shall hopefully see you tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.